0: Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Jesus bids you to come to the cross. And it might require a detour into the caves. But it's at the cross in the caves where God does his best work. Where God does his most thorough work. Where God is developing you right now. The cave that you're in is not being wasted for it by God. I want you to know that as you look at your cave, I want you to reconsider it and see it as the cross. It's a call of God for you to die to yourself, for you to come to a deeper place of surrender in your life.
1: This is amazing grace. This is failure. delighted to be with you and welcome again to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. We'll be continuing our series in 1 Samuel. Now to bring you up to speed, David is on the run from King Saul who is trying to kill him and he finds himself in a cave. Ed is going to relate this to our cave-like experiences and reveal how God often uses them to develop us. Maybe that's exactly where you're at today. Allow the Lord to encourage you now through this message From 1 Samuel 22.
0: You know, I think it's important here to pause just for a moment and consider what people see when they see the church outside of these walls, the world in which we live, the world in which we work, the world in which we hang out in. What does the world see on the outside when they look at the church? Or perhaps they may even see, perhaps you see the church. What do you see when you see the church? Perhaps you see it with all its imperfections all its difficulties all its mistakes we have a lot don't we can we get an amen on that amen. i mean let's admit it we're not in heaven so while we're not in heaven god's working it out in our lives there's no perfect church there's no perfect church is that bad news to you you're like oh man i'm going to leave no 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 don't don't every church is imperfect every leader is imperfect we're all in the process The church isn't a place of perfection. It's not a place where people have it all together. It's not a place where where we're filled with folks that have arrived and we're the perfect specimen of what it means to follow God. Many, you know, as Ted Turner many years ago, would look at the church and say, and I quote, Christianity is for losers. Now, he didn't mean that in a good way. He meant that in a bad way. He was being critical and caustic. And yet there is a truth to that statement, friend. There is a truth to that statement, but not in a critical way. The reality is, is the church is made for broken people. For people that recognize their brokenness. The, the reality of the condition of their life because of sin. Yeah, there, there is an element there where Jesus is for the hurting. Jesus is for the discouraged. He's for the one that knows their need of God. The world system has it backwards. The way that we were raised, completely backwards. Because the idea that was ingrained in us, and it's still very popular today, is the idea that, you know, God will help those who help themselves. As if we get it going, God, and, you know, we'll we'll take it from here. And we'll get it going and you come. No, no, no. It's not true. The Bible doesn't teach that. Nowhere in the Bible will you find that type of of truth. It's not truth. In so many ways, it's a teaching that's anti-Bible. It's anti-God. If the Bible were to say such a thing, it would say something like more along the lines of, and I quote, God helps those who cannot help themselves. God helps those that realize they have need. That's why, friends, that's why as believers, that's why you've got to understand this. Uh, you've got to understand that when mistakes happen, uh, when sins are committed within the body of Christ, God will resist pride. He will resist your pride. Pride is not the way to get out of a mistake. Pride is not the way to handle a sinful mistake. The best way to handle a sinful mistake is to go back to the way you got saved. Humble and broken. Humble and broken. And then say, God, I'm so sorry I veered from the reality of my salvation experience. I realize now that this was a season where I thought I could live independent of you and I was relying on my own resources, on my own thinking, but now I'm back to the place where my own sin is revealed to me. God, you don't help those who help themselves. God, you help those that admit that they are nothing. I am nothing apart from you, Lord, and I desperately ask you to forgive me. That's godly sorrow that leads to repentance, but pride, it just gets resistance. Just get God, you get pushback. And you wonder why well, I can't hear from God anymore. Are you prideful? And I'm just not getting anything from the word anymore. Are you prideful? I'm just not in fellowship with other believers. Are you prideful? Because God resists the proud. But almost instantly he will give grace to the humble. That's what the Bible says. And we're going to find that in David's life. In the times where he was resist prideful, God resisted him. In the times he was broken, God swooped in and encouraged him and brought him back. God helps the helpless. God helps those who realize they need help. Jot it down in your notes, but in John chapter 5, you'll recall, Jesus was there at the pool of Bethesda. You remember that? With that, just all those desperate people? They, they were just desperate for healing, desperate for a touch. Uh, that Bethesda literally means a house of mercy. They were wanting mercy. There was a great multitude of people, the Bible says, that were wanting to be healed. And God, Jesus just zeroed in on one, but they were all desperate. They were all ready to be, they were waiting for the moving of the water to be touched by God. In a very physical way, they could realize, and they did realize, their need for God. And in a very real way, the Lord showed up. You see, these people, those that in verse 2 are distressed, those that are in debt, those that are discontented, those people are us. Those are us those are us that 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 describes us i don't know what category or subcategory you're in but it's don't forget where you came from don't forget where you came from god is moving you he's growing you he's maturing you but don't forget where you came from don't forget why remember david becoming a type of jesus christ where jesus is a greater david he is a greater one he is the greatest one to come That through these things, God has drawn us to a king to follow. He's drawn us to a person to devote our lives. He has drawn us, and Jesus is worth all of our effort, all of our energy, all our devotion, all of our dedication. And Jesus has drawn us through the difficulties of our lives. The Father has drawn us to Jesus in order, as we find David does, to fight the good fight. The fight of spiritual warfare, the fight in spiritual darkness to rescue people, to draw them through our own lives and through our own love and our own sacrifice. Not necessarily within the walls of this building, although I believe this property dedicated and devoted to God is used to its capacity to glorify God. But God is not not limited to a building. He dwells in you and me. And we come to be developed and and built up and taught, but we go into the world, and and as we live in this world, like all of us do, God is wanting to use us. He's wanting us to draw people to the greater than David. And what's getting their attention? Debt. What's getting their attention? Distressing times. What's getting their attention? Discontentment. Even it's true for you and me. You see, God, you're in great debt right now. God wants to use you. You're just discontented with, like, God wants to use you. You are distressed because of things in your life. God wants to use you. That doesn't disqualify you. It brings you into a place of humble submission to God, doesn't it? I hope so. I hope, then, when you come into the face of God, you can begin to see the reality of your situation. You begin, to receive the, you begin to see the reality of what God really wants to do. He, he puts hope into the situation. He shows you that there is, there is a greater way to live your life. He reveals to us that there's a greater way to spin and invest your life. He reveals to us that there is a, a greater one to follow than the God of this age, little g. And you look at David here, and you're just like, David's running away, but you can't run away from God. You're running away from Saul, which is, makes sense. I mean, I think any one of us in David's position would be running too, to preserve our lives, wanting to just to, to self-preservation. And yet as he's running away in the physical, there's no way to run away from the spiritual. David will say that much in the Psalms. He'll talk about where if I go up into the heavens, you're there. If I go down to the depths, you're there. Where am I going to go? Away from your spirit, Lord. He knew that. He's learning that. He's growing in that area. Let's go to the New Testament. You ever, you know, the New Testament really, move over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 as we wind down. These first two verses of 1 Samuel chapter 22 are greatly explained in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And they can be used together. The the insights and the illustration of 1 Corinthians chapter 1 Of course, you can use yourself as an example, but you can also use these men that were gathered to David who were able to rise above their circumstances. Why? Because they had a leader that was leading them away from them, leading them in the ways of truth. So beautiful, so encouraging. Notice with me in verse 26 now of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And if you like to write in your Bibles you can write these verses next First Samuel chapter 22 and then over in First Samuel you can write First Corinthians chapter 1 because they totally go together. So Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and he says for you see your calling brethren that not many wise according to the flesh not many mighty not many noble are called but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty and the base things verse 28 of the world that things that are despised God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are why so that no flesh should glory in his presence now I have to say there are many people when we look at this and we read this and maybe even some of you listening right now you're offended at this verse you might even look at this verse and go that doesn't describe me but it does it describes every follower of jesus christ now it's describing us not many right so you know most of us fall into this category but there's weaknesses in our lives in all variety of different ways not many wise. Not, not many noble. Not many. You look, at the, you look at the church today. You know, there's not many among us that have letters before our names. Or after our names, for that matter. Or very many letters in your name. You don't have many letters. You don't have many degrees. You, you haven't been to school. You know, we have a few doctors. We have a few dentists. There's a few lawyers and veterinarians among us. And a few professionals. But not many. Paul didn't say not any. He just said not many. Not many. Most of us, you know, that's just... Man, we came from, we came from a rough background. I mean, if we could change it. We'd want to change it, but we can't. That's just the way it was. We made a lot of bad decisions, and we look at that and you go, "But God still used you." I know it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. Because if we were looking for, you know, many of the church committees looking for pastors right now, you know, they, if I was to submit my resume, they'd laugh. They wouldn't even process it. They just laugh at me. You want to be a pastor? I don't want to be a pastor. God just told me to. i mean, I kind of, no, I don't want to be a pastor. I would rather, no, of course I don't want to be a pastor. Why? Because God's hand's upon me. And yet, in the many of the way the church will today, they'd look at my background and go, no, nah, you ain't going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. I just want to obey God, you know. It's like, I don't know. So I guess I'm just going to have to teach the Bible and see if God uses me. And maybe that's the decision you need to make. And just admit that you're not wise. It's not a negative thing. Or just admit that you're not mighty. Or just admit that you're not noble. And then admit, verse 27, you're just, you're foolish. It's just foolish. It's just foolish that God, you know, would look at all the options on the earth today and save you. And you know, if God can save Dan, he can save you. And if God can save Ed, he can save you. And if God can save Kevin, he can save you. I mean, I can go every name I can think of and every face I can remember. If God can work in that and choose, then then the question is, is why won't you embrace the choice of God in your life? Embracing it. Paul's writing to the church in Corinth and reminding them of their calling and their humble beginnings. Foolish, weak, base, despised. The things that the world would write off, the things that the world wouldn't give another chance to, the things that the world wouldn't extend grace to, the things that the, the, the people, and when I say things, I literally mean the people of the world that God wants to just confound the world. And there's no explanation. And I can only speak for myself now. There's no explanation why I should be alive today. There's no explanation why I should be married today. There's no explanation why I should have the family that I have. There's no explanation that I should be a pastor. Except for the grace of God. That's it. I don't deserve it. I didn't earn it. I don't, have, I don't have any any credentials. I all that God does in my life, just like all that God does in your life, is his grace. It's all his grace. There is none of you and all of God. And the quicker you embrace that, the farther you will move along, and the farther I'll move along in maturity. That's the truth of God's word. The problem is pride slows us down. It's like a backpack of weights of pride. And we begin to to pat ourselves on the back. And, oh, yeah, I really did do a good job. And, you know, look at me and and look what I've done and look what I have accomplished. And one of the first things I share with the men that we're raising up in ministry here and the leaders in, in general is this. Don't you dare touch the glory of God. The Bible says that God will share his glory with no one. No one. And the minute you begin to touch the glory of God and take credit for only what God has done is the very first decision that you make on a backslidden, away-from-God path that it's really quick to get off of that because when you look at your life, you just have to conclude like I do, that you'd be thankful for the work of God in your life. You'd be thankful for the faithfulness of God. You'd be thankful for the, the phrases, you know, the scriptures where, you know, like the one that says, even when we're faithless, he remains faithful. You got to be really happy for that one, that God doesn't change. He doesn't deny himself, that, that God has chosen us Those that are in debt, yeah, that got our attention. Those that are in distress, yeah. God used a lot of distress in my life in 1990 and 91 to get my attention. He did. He used a lot of stuff going on. That was the first Gulf War. Uh, Marie and I were young married. Our marriage was a mess. I was a drunk. And yeah, yeah, God used a lot of distress to go. I remember laying in bed at times just thinking, maybe you're laying in your bed right now. You're laying right there and you go, there's got to be more to life than this. I'm going to answer that question for you. You're right. Jesus has so much more for you than the low level living that you're living right now. That you think you have it all, and now you're on the party scene. Look at me, ha, ha, ha. And yet you're the only one on the dance floor that knows how empty you are, and how lonely you are, and how fearful you are of death, and what will happen in eternity. And you don't know today that when you die, you don't know where you'll be. As a matter of fact, you pretty much think that you will be separated from God because that's how you're living right now. And the only way you'll get into heaven is that kind of theology you made up that, you know, God's gonna let even good people in. You know, it'll be okay. But Jesus came to say that unless a man or a woman is born again, he won't see the kingdom of God. And there you are processing your life. And you're wondering, man, will God use me? I'm so foolish. Yes. And look at my bank account, man. It's upside down. It's only red. I know, God. Can God use me? Absolutely not. He can God use you? But he can also enable you to get out of debt. He can also enable you to not only get out of debt, but to have so much excess that you can use it for the work of God. Did you know that? God can do that in your life. There's testimony all over this room. When we got saved, we were Mary and I were in big time deep debt because I was another problem. I had all these, man. I'm sorry. I was all of these. I was all messed up. Because I just like did what I wanted to do, man. Just, I did what I wanted to do. And what I wanted to do was not the will of God. And you look at your life, you go, man, but I, I'm just so distressed. I, I don't, I'm just, I'm just, I can't even think straight. You, can God use something? Yes. But see, the key is that in their circumstances, they went to the caves with David. And it's in your circumstances that God will not make this decision for you. You have to decide. You don't go to the caves to join Jesus Christ. You know where you go. You go to the cross. And Jesus is bidding you to come to the cross and die to yourself. He's calling you to say, hey, you come and follow me. You want to follow me? Do you want to live a life that's different than what you have? Do you want an eternal promise? Do you want to make a difference in the world today? Do you want to make a lasting, eternal difference? One that will be remembered for eternity. You know, there's a lot of people on the earth right now that we remember over the years. They're legends. Their names are pretty much embedded in society, culturally, in the world right now. And there's the illusion that they'll be known forever. They won't be known forever because there's a new heaven and a new earth coming with a new ruler, King Jesus. He's going to come and rule and reign. And the only one that will be known forever is Jesus. And the only things that will be remembered are the things that lasted for eternity. And so even if you make any kind of progress on the earth, you want to make progress not only for the earth, but also for eternity. And Jesus bids you to come to the cross. And it might require a detour into the caves, but it's at the cross in the caves where God does his best work where God does his most thorough work, where God is developing you right now, the cave that you're in is not being wasted for by God. I want you to know that as you look at your cave, I want you to reconsider it and see it as the cross. It's a call of God for you to die to yourself, for you to come to a deeper place of surrender in your life, a place where you recognize that hanging there with Jesus even if in your imaginations when well, you know i 'm with you jesus I, I do not I do not want to be a part of this distressing dead ridden discontented world. This world is not my home i 'm devoted to you i 'm dedicated to you your life, you know your love Jesus, is better than life my My relationship with you is greater than my own life, and God is calling you back to the cross today, and yeah, maybe you have some stuff in your background you have some stuff in your past you have maybe even stuff in your recent past but the truth is this if you will repent of your sins and turn to Jesus Christ not only will you receive the forgiveness of sins but the very beginning of working through the consequences starts right there right in that moment I wish I could remove the consequences of sin my sin your sin unfortunately they're there But I can say this, God is a master at working through the difficulties of life. He's a master at helping us navigate through the difficulties of life. If you just come and you just surrender to him. So I'm encouraged because when Jesus says, whoever will, let him come unto me, he really means it. In the old King James, it's much better, isn't it? The whosoever will, let him come. Well, whosoever will, let him come today.
1: Amen. Amen. You're listening to Abounding Grace in part of Ed Taylor's series in 1 Samuel. His message is called The Cave and the Cross, and you can hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com or listen through the Calvary Church app when it's most convenient. And I probably don't have to remind you that life can get overwhelming and stressful, and maybe peace and real joy seems like a distant dream rather than a present reality allow me to recommend Let Go by Francois Finelot. With incredible insight, he speaks to those whose lives resemble an uphill climb and reveals just how to let go. When you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more, request a copy of Let Go. Call us right now, 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. It's also available in our online store at calvaryco.store. Abounding Grace is made possible through the generous support of our listeners. Each gift that comes in goes straight to ministry, helping people all over the world have access to Bible teaching that impacts their lives. To join our team of supporters, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Ed, as you were describing David's experience on the run and in a cave, I couldn't help but think maybe a listener can relate. Would you send up a prayer for them as we close? I'd love to, Larry. Father, we do pray
0: today for your comfort and encouragement to those living in a similar situation as David, on the run, feeling alone, in a cave, it's unfair, it's not right. I mean, God, it's so hard to live with injustice, and it's so hard to live with the consequences of others' sins It's so hard to live with a person like Saul in your life that just seems like constantly, constantly. and, And there's even a time, Lord, we're just like, why won't you stop them, God? I don't get it. But I know we don't need to get it. We need to trust you, Lord. We want to walk in your wisdom, and we want to surrender our lives to you, to do with us whatever you desire, that you might be glorified. So I pray for those with this situation in their life right now. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen.
1: Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, we'll notice that God is always working behind the scenes. Be encouraged by that truth as you join Pastor Ed Taylor for our next study in 1 Samuel. This is amazing grace